What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Two Minute Drill presented by Deep Dive Sports. I have Dom and David with me as always. We'll kick it right off going into our first quarter here in our recap section. Um, we're just going to kick it off hot and heavy here. Penn State versus Ohio State, boys. David, what's your opinion on this uh, this game here, man? Honestly, Ohio State did a lot better than I was expecting. Um, the defense definitely came up clutch when they needed it to, pulling uh Alar only to eighteen for forty two, hundred ninety one yards and a touchdown. Uh, whereas Singleton was to a total of forty eight rushing yards. Their top receiver was Lambert Smith, had six receptions for fifty two yards, and the only wide receiver that had a a touchdown was Sanders, who but only had two receptions in 25 yards. Now, oh, for OSU, McCord actually really impressed me. Uh, went 286 yards, one touchdown. Uh, Williams had 62 yards for a touchdown. And then you've got Marvin Harrison Jr., the main primary receiver, had 11 receptions, 162 yards for a touchdown. And uh, even Stover came in clutch, almost had 100 yards, was four receptions for 70, to be exact. So I was impressed, to say the least. Yeah, I think uh, what I took from this was I think this Ohio State defense could be considered one of the best in the country, if not the best, um, with how they really kind of have shut down this Penn State offense um, and kind of offenses all year. Um, I think this Penn State defense again is elite, is one of the best defenses in the in college football. Um, Ohio State was only able to score 20 on them when you talk about the weapons that they have. Now, obviously, didn't have um Ameka Abuka or Travion Henderson, but I think you know, other than Marvin Harrison, not really many of the other weapons were able to get all that involved. So I think uh I think this Penn State defense is really good and I think this game was a if we had a 12 team playoff this was a playoff preview game you know what I mean I think if there were 12 12 team playoff Penn State as long as they you know went out I think that they would definitely be in that 12 team playoff this is not a loss that they should look at and be upset about um and I think Ohio State should look at this win there's obviously some things that need cleaned up I think Kyle McCord missed some throws, but he's first-year starter, you know, seventh start. That's going to happen, but he's going to have to clean that up before they get to the Michigan game and before they get into the playoffs. But, you know, I think think it was a good test, Um, another good opportunity for this team to grow and get better and this defense to showcase its abilities. Dom, what's your opinion? I was was really impressed with this game. really all around by Ohio State. I know Penn State may have had their moments later in the game, but um, Penn State having one of the best defenses in the country uh, for Kyle McCord to play as well as he did, I thought was pretty impressive. I mean, he didn't light the world on fire, but he still went 22 of 35, 286, didn't throw any interceptions, uh, was still able to throw a touchdown. Um, This running game, I was still, I know they didn't have Travion Henderson, but Mayan Williams still played well. I thought the defense was lights out. 
And I mean, really, th- this team can go as as far as they want to. I think the national championship is is still within reach for this team. I think the defense can keep them in really any game. And I, I think we're already seeing combo court start to play better as the season goes on. And I think that's something that's going to continue. Um, really, as long as they have Marvin Harrison Jr., this team's going to be fine. I agree. I, I, I like I said. I think, I think Kyle McCord has to continue to improve. He has to hit uh, those passes that he missed. I think there was a couple times that he threw the ball um, off target to Marvin Harrison, and and he wasn't able to haul those in. Um, if they were a little bit more on target, I think there's a couple more catches there for Harrison, maybe even a touchdown. Um, but yeah, I, I just all around good game. I think a lot of people were. You know, some of the headlines are saying Ohio State escaped with a win, and and I I just wonder if some people forgot that Penn State was still a top ten team. Um, I don't think Penn State is the best team in the country, but I do think that if they're hitting and and everybody's playing at their best, they they are a super competitive team, and that defense is arguably one of the best in the country. So, um, yeah, I, I just think an all around good game, low scoring but is very defense-based. I think that's something that we haven't really been able to say about Ohio State to where their defense is carrying them. Um, and I think this is probably the first time in a long time that you could say that about an Ohio State team. So very interesting. That's very fine interesting. with me. Yeah. I, I love defensive football, so I'm, I'm fine with that. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, all right, let's move on to the next game here that we had talked about. Um, I only had it on there because of the classic of the Air Force versus Navy. A little bit of a lower scoring game than what I thought, especially since Air Force was ranked. And they're number 19 in the country right now, being 7-0. and So I thought maybe they might drop a little bit after only scoring 17 points. But um, what's your guys's, you know thoughts on this game, Dom? Um, I think it went about as how we projected. Um, Air Force kind of show that they're the best of the, of the military schools um, really wasn't that close of a game, though it wasn't that high scoring. Um, I think air force much deserving. They moved up to number 19. I think that's a very fair ranking for where they are um, as a program. And yeah, there's really not much else to say. Yeah. yeah. On top of that, I'd argue that even though there was some scoring, it, there wasn't a whole lot of offense to kind of back it up because when you look at it and uh, Zach Larrier, I think I don't know how to pronounce his name. He went four for five, 151 yards with only one touchdown. So that he didn't throw all that much. It means that they ran the ball mostly, which proves that considering Emmanuel had 22 carries um, and the one touchdown pass that they had was a one reception for 94 yards. <laughs> but I go back to uh, Navy, and this goes back to kind of like several discussions that we've had in the past where interceptions can hurt you in the long run because their quarterback, uh, Ty, went 13 for 23, 96 yards, one touchdown and two interceptions. So take out those two interceptions. Maybe they could make some more scoring out of that. Who knows? Yeah, just a 
and I think I'd said it last week, like usually these games against the, you know, armed service teams, they're usually like kind of gritty and either they're super low scoring or they're super high scoring. Um, so I don't know. It just, again, I just, I thought, Hey, the rankings, what is it? The AP rankings or something had them in the top 25. I was like, maybe they're better than that, but I don't know. It is kind of interesting. St- I think they went up a couple spots too. Cause they were like 25 last week, I think. So they were 21. 21. They moved up. Uh, or you know, yeah, they moved up three spots. They're currently 19. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Weird. I don't know. Interesting. But, uh, all right, let's see here. What was our next game? So Tennessee versus Alabama here, guys. Obviously, I think what well, I think I had said Alabama was going to win last week, and both of you had Tennessee, I believe. I, I didn't think this game was going to go the way that it did. I thought it would be a – I mean, it's only by 14 points, but I thought it would be a little bit closer. Um, you have mm-hmm. – Joe Milton with Tennessee, two touchdowns, 271, no turnovers. So it's not like he played a bad game. Um, with Alabama, Jalen Milrow had two touchdowns, one interception, 220 yards passing. Um, their running back, McClellan, had 115 yards rushing with one touchdown. So I, I don't I don't think it was like an awful game. I just think Alabama played a better game. They won by two scores. Um, but what's your opinion on this one, David? I guess Alabama finally had their offense working. They finally had something going right for that offense this year because it's like you look at the previous games and you could tell something was off because this wasn't like the previous Alabama teams that we've seen in previous years. And they finally able to do something. They went seven. They went to seven and one. All right, Dom, what's your opinion? Uh, it hurt as a, you know, semi-Tennessee fan. Um, I, I watched the whole game. Uh, I, I thought Tennessee had this at halftime. They were up 20-7 to 7 going into half, and then their offense just just didn't show up in the, in the second half. Uh, they didn't score at all in the second half, and Alabama put up 17 in the third and 10 in the fourth. Um, so I, concerns for me about Tennessee's offense, um, don't really know what was said or what adjustments were made at halftime, but it clearly wasn't right. Um, overall, uh, impressed with Alabama's win. I think they needed a win like this to kind of right the ship on the season and kind of get the program going in the direction that, you know, we know Nick Saban can take it. Um, so great for Alabama. I think it's a good win. It keeps them in the playoff hunt and, uh, Tennessee, uh, sucks for them. Uh, hopefully they learn a lot from it. And, you know, this is a young team. They had a lot of people graduate and, you know, they, I know they weren't going to be as good as they were last year, but, you know, hopefully they can still continue to develop. I mean, it's still a good football team. You know, it's disappointing that they lost, but, um, I still like where the program's heading in the future. Yeah. I, I agree with a lot of that, guys. I mean, I don't think it was a bad game. I just think uh, I think Alabama got the better of Tennessee on this one, and you got Tennessee with two losses now, which is, again, I mean, a 12-team playoff, two losses might be good enough to uh, 
or might not be worse enough to get you into that 12-team playoff, especially with who you lost to. So I think that's where everybody is kind of looking at right now, especially in the SEC when you have a a lot of schools there now that are probably going to have two losses on the season because I don't think they're taking the Big Ten approach where they're going to fill their, um, I guess, big hitters with a little bit more of a cupcake schedule like the Big Ten is. Um, they're gonna play each other every single year, and they're gonna they're gonna have losses on their record. So it, it might seem like those teams will still get in with two or three losses, maybe. So, um, but yeah, com- another competitive game. I think obviously for us uh, Ohio State fans, we would love to see Alabama lose, but it did not happen. So let's go ahead and look at our last college game of the week here. In just. Dom's happy (laughs) and his uh, favorite person in Caleb Williams uh, just he dropped another game man I I I don't know what's wrong with this uh, with him specifically you know what I mean I think we talked about this USC team and we said this defense is going to be their problem but the past two weeks it's kind of felt like Caleb Williams has been just as much the problem as the defense and I don't know if he was just feeling bad for himself after a poor performance against Notre Dame. I don't know if he's just kind of hit a little bit of a slump, but this is two games in a row they lost. Now, granted, two games in a row they've lost against quality opponents. I don't want people to think that Caleb Williams or this USC team is going out there and losing to scrubs, but they have lost to some really good quality opponents. But I will throw it over to Dom first. Like I said, I know Caleb Williams is his least favorite person. I will correct myself on that one. Um, but just what's your thoughts on this game, man? Um, college football's Dak Prescott strikes again. Um, does not does not show up in big moments. And this is this has been a problem with him really since he's been a starter. We look at how he played in the Pac-12 championship game against US or not USC against Utah last year. Um, didn't show up again this year against Notre Dame, didn't really show up again except for the one rushing touchdown he had at the end of the game um, this past weekend. He consistently doesn't show up in in big games, and I think maybe the fame has gone to his head a little bit um, because he he is still a a really young player. I don't know. I know there's a lot of off-the-field stuff with him that that I've had a problem with, um, but I think – he may be a little distracted and focused too much on going to the next level, wherever that may be in the NFL. But I think he's more focused on the NFL at this point than he is USC. And I think that's affecting his play on the field. And I don't know, maybe, maybe all the money, all the endorsements are kind of distracting him a little bit. Um, I, I will give props to, to Utah. They're they're a really quality team, and this is a great win. Um, I love that they were able to to drive down the field and kick that field goal as time expired. Uh, it shows the resilience of the team, and I think you know, Pac-12. I, I know they're they're ranked lower than Washington and Oregon, but they're a team that's going to be competing for that spot in the uh, Pac-12 championship game. USC, I do not see them competing for the Pac-12 championship game. <laughs> not anymore. I think, I, no, I, I think looking at the schedule, I know they have, we talked about last week, I think they have Oregon coming up in a couple of weeks. I see them losing that for sure. 
and that'll probably be their their last loss of the season. But who knows? With the way Caleb Williams is playing, maybe they have more losses than. Yeah, I I only see them because I only see them losing to um. What is it? Is you said Oregon or Washington? Oregon, right? That's actually that's- hold on. Let me look at their schedule because they may be playing both. They- so they have Cal coming up this week, then they have Washington and Oregon in back-to-back weeks, yeah. and then they finish off the season with USC or UCLA. I mean, that's so. Listen, the the way there may the, be another two losses on the schedule for or three. I mean, UCLA has not been playing awful, and again, we yeah. talk about this defense. If Caleb Williams can't outscore other teams, you know what I mean, then their defense can't stop anybody. So we could be looking at mm. what a five lost USC team who barely makes a bowl game. You know what I mean? And what what do you do with that? You know what I mean? I I don't know. I don't know. David, what's your thoughts on this game? I think that I think Utah definitely came through. Bryson Barnes came through with three touchdowns, one interception. Uh but did throw 14 for 23 for 235 yards. Um, uh, Jackson went had 26 carries for 117 yards. Um, and Bryson Barnes had 10 carries for 57 and one touchdown. Now, USC, it's like Caleb Williams, it's like passing-wise and the attempts and the – Completions weren't like terrible. Twenty fourth for thirty four, for two hundred fifty four yards. It's like that's that's normal, but he didn't have a touchdown, but also didn't throw an interception, at the same time. The only touchdown that he did have was him rushing the ball for ten carries, twenty seven yards. So, I, I don't. I'm kind of with uh, Dom on Caleb Williams as well. He's kind of slid down for what uh, USC needs, and because their defense can't stop anything, pretty much. Yeah, it's going to be tough. I mean, this is a it. It's crazy to think about. Like next week, I don't have you know their game or their next game. I don't know if we'll have you know the game of the week for them because they'll be playing Cal. But I mean there's still three more games that they have that we'll probably put as one of our games of the week to watch. And I think everybody will too, just because of the talent that is on both teams, but that could be three more times that we talk about them losing games. And I, I don't think that for him and his future, he could be a part of the reason they lose. I think the reason that a lot of people looked at him as being as good as he is, is because he was the reason they were winning because um, their defense couldn't stop anybody, but he is kind of a part of the problem right now. And um, it seems to be against top teams in the country. So we'll see if he can change that around and, and rewrite his future there, but let's move into the NFL and uh, let's just talk about a good old fashioned uh, butt whooping <laughs> and the Ravens and lions game. I'm going to be the first to say that I didn't think it would be this bad. I, I I kind of thought the Ravens might come out on top on this one, but yeah, it just was kind of worse than 
than what we thought. We got to see Jameer Gibbs as his first role as kind of the main back. And, you know, that's the one bright spot that I took from this was he was able to have nine receptions for 58 yards and he was able to rush 11 times for 68 yards at 6.2 yards per carry against this Ravens defense that a lot of people say is probably the second or third best defense in the league. Um, but other than that, Jared Goff was very underwhelming. I don't think this is indicative to how he's played all season, but he just wasn't able to put the ball in the end zone passing wise with one interception. Um, but you got to look at the main focal point here. And uh, Lamar Jackson threw for 357 yards, three touchdowns, and he rushed for a touchdown against this Lions defense. And I don't know if they've let a quarterback do that to them this year so far. So I'll throw it to David first, man. What is your uh, what's your thoughts on this game? And and ultimately, what does this really mean for the Lions? I don't think it really means much. I think it just means that they had a an off week, as most other teams have every now and again, because no, no team is perfect. They're going to have at some point or another a bad week rather have the bad week during the regular season than go to the playoffs and have the bad week then because at least in the regular season you have a chance to recover from it you can't recover shit from the playoffs then you'll probably get mocked for the next five years um but great for the ravens they came up clutch when they needed to be um yeah that's pretty much it this it these kinds of games happen at some point or another. Dama, what's your what's your take on this one? I agree with what David said about the Lions. I think it's just one bad week that every team is bound to have every now and then. Um, you look at how Jared Goff has played not just this year but last year. You know, I think he's been very impressive. Um, this whole team has has been impressive all year, and you know, every now and then, even good teams have a bad week and it, it's not like they, they got a butt whooping by, you know, the Broncos or the, or the Panthers. Um, this is a Ravens team that some people are still seeing as a Super Bowl contender. So if they're going to have a bad week, at least it was to a really good opponent. Um, as, as much as it pains me to say, being a Browns fan, I despise the Ravens. Um, I think that's one thing that, us Browns and Steelers fans can agree on as we hate the Ravens. Um, I'm still very impressed with Lamar Jackson. I think he's really started to change the narrative around him as being just a, a running back that the plays quarterback. I think um, Todd Munkin has really changed this offense and you know we're, we're seeing Lamar Jackson develop into the quarterback that a lot of people had hopes that he would be coming out of um, out of Louisville. And I mean, they they still with with all the injuries that they have every year, they still find ways to be one of the top teams. And you know, as much as I don't like them, I, I still respect them as an organization. Um, going back to the Lions, I'm I'm not really concerned with them the rest of the season. They got a bad loss out of the way. I think they'll they'll learn from it. They're still a very young team that has a lot of learning to do yet in the NFL. You know, one one thing that that we all know is the NFL will humble you at some point and you know the, the the lions were flying high and they got humbled this week and hopefully they can learn from it and bounce back this week and you know keep fighting for that division title yeah 
I I do think too, like one thing that is not really said enough about Lamar Jackson is I think this is probably the best like receiving room that he's had since he's been there. I know OBJ is not what he used to be. Um, but I think Zay Flowers gives him a true number one. He still has Mark yeah. Andrews. You know, I know that running back wise, he doesn't have JK to kind of catch out of the backfield, but those guys are getting it done when they need to. Um, so I think that's really kind of helping him out. And and OBJ is still good enough to to be a serviceable number two or number three within the league for the next couple years. So I, I just like I said, I think this is probably one of one of, if not the best wide receiving group that he's had. And I think that's really helping him out passing wise because they can look at this passing offense and be like, hey, like we have guys that can get open, um, guys that can run the routes that we want them to run. And, you know, Lamar is hitting them. He is passing the ball and being accurate. And that is important. Um, but uh, yeah, I just, I think that that's a, that's a big help. And in the past, I mean, what, like last year, his best wide receiver was what? Devin DuVernay. Um, so like, yeah. you kind of look at previous years and you're like, ah, like who really, <laughs> I don't know. I think they, they kind of did that Patriots route where they tried to get a lot of wide receivers that were on the back end of their career. Um, and it just hasn't really worked out and, and them being able to hit on Zay Flowers in the draft you know, hopefully he continues to progress and get better. But um, as a football fan, as a Steelers fan, I, I don't want him to. But <laughs> as a football fan, I do I do hope he progresses to get better. And and when Lamar Jackson's able to pass like that, he that team is going to be dangerous, especially with that defense. So, but let's go on to our next game that we had here. And uh, Mr. Swift and the Chiefs were able to uh, beat the Chargers thirty-one to seventeen. <laughs> doing others like wait DeAndre Swift not on the Chiefs. Yes, yes, yes. Uh no, uh Mr. Taylor Swift. Uh he doesn't get his name anymore because you know Taylor put him on the map apparently. But I thought he was uh Ma'ato. Ma'ato. No, uh, State Farm commercial. Well, we're talking about Travis Kelsey, sir. Um I don't know. I think Patrick Mahomes is not dating this? Taylor Swift. Can you get with the times, Dom? Jeez, man. You know I don't care about any of that shit. Goodness gracious. They only pan over two or 20 times during the game, okay? You watch a lot of Chiefs games. It was it was a primetime game, wasn't it? Like at 8 o'clock uh, or something. No? Yeah, I think that was on the Sunday night primetime game. Yeah. Yeah, and I go get... I go it's to the, the only game on, on Sunday nights. I go to the bathroom during commercial breaks. I don't sit there and... With my popcorn, wait for them they to show Taylor Swift. They do it during Swift. the game. He he gets hit. They pan over to her, and she goes ah, and he gets like a big catch, and she's like, yeah. I don't know. Anyway. <laughs> yeah, it's it's, it's it's so annoying. Anyway, back to the talk though about football. Um, you know, this is going to be my opinion, and I'll be interested to see what you guys think about it. As much like shit as Brandon Staley gets as a head coach, I think a lot of it is deserved. I think we have to start looking at Justin Herbert and questioning whether or not he is a part of the problem. Not that he's bad, and I think he could develop and be a really good starting quarterback within this league, but I think we also have to look at his play in these big games and kind of be like, hey, are you are you also a part of the problem a little bit? Um, 
I don't know. Well, that's just that's kind of where I'm at with this one. I, I'm interested that's to see. The thing. We say that Kirk Cousins is one no slouch of a quarterback at all. He can hold up his own end. But mm-hmm. it's also known that Kirk Cousins struggles in primetime shows. Not last week. Or not not yesterday. Yeah. yeah. But overall, he we also played Kirk well in the playoffs. One of the best, but struggles during prime time in playoffs. So, yeah, I think it's the same kind of level here for Justin Herbert and Kirk Cousins. They can hold their own, but at some point, they can only do so much. And they may not be the most successful in prime time. Yeah. I I don't know. I just... I was just kind of looking at it and I was like, I don't, I don't know. I mean, listen, I don't think he played awful. He had two interceptions. You can't, you can't have the two interceptions in that kind of a game. I think that's really what puts them in a situation where they, they lose that game. Um, But I, I don't know. I don't know. I'm just like, I don't know. What do you think, Dom? I mean, the, I think the, the warning signs are definitely there. Um I, I don't know if it's more Herbert or um, Brandon Staley. I would like to see him with a better coach because I, I think that would make the world a difference. Um, and I, I know he's down Mike Williams, but great quarterbacks are supposed to be able to still play well when they're down a weapon. Um, so while his his play this year has kind of concerned me, I mean, he's Desmond Ritter has more passing yards this year than, than Justin Herbert does. Um, Sam Howell has more passing yards than, than Justin Herbert does. Um, he's still a very young quarterback. He's what, 25, 24, 25. Um, uh, he's, he's been in the league a couple of years, but he, he's still a very young player. And, you know, while he hasn't had the success that, you know, uh, Patrick Mahomes has had out of the gate, you know, he, he still has played very well throughout his career. Well, it's only what three, four years into his career so far. Um, so I, I, I don't think it's fair to him to completely write him off as a guy that is just gonna, an average quarterback that, that can't play in big moments because he's still so young. Let me uh, but, let, let, let me say this, and and I do agree that he's played pretty well for a young quarterback to start his career. But I think there's a big it's difference. Really, the first year. I mean, he's still thrown 10, 10 touchdowns of four interceptions. But, I mean, if we look at every that's, year that he that, – That's what I was about to say because last year, last year he didn't really have that great of a year. I mean, 25, t- 25 touchdowns, 10 interceptions, that's not for – for the level of quarterback that everyone talks about him being. When they put him in the same conversation as Mahomes, as Allen, as Burrow, you know what I mean? A lot of people do that. And for the past two years, he's – I mean, his his completion percentage is definitely up from the first two years of his career. But touchdown to interception ratio, we're looking at, you know, hopefully those touchdowns go back up this year. But I don't know. It 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 has seemed like he just hasn't really been the same from his first two years. Um, it does look like maybe trajectory wise this year is looking more like his second NFL year if he kind of stays on this this path but I don't I don't know. I I do agree. Maybe coaching, maybe a, a change will help, but maybe it's just a Chargers curse. You could be amazing on paper, but 
you're just going to suck because it's the Chargers. I, I I don't know. At home, guys, let us know what you think about the Chargers. What can they do to get better? What can they do to uh, get past this little uh, little curse I think they have? I don't know. Let me know. Um, let's go to another game with the same exact score. 31 to 17. I don't know. I don't know what to make of this one. This one was another one where like, obviously Tyree killed did, did what Tyree killed does. Um, I think he's still on pace for over 2000 yards receiving this season. I think he's had a touchdown, at least one touchdown in almost every game this year. So he's on pace for, at least like 17, 18 touchdowns this year. But other than that, there really wasn't much to love about the Dolphins in this game. The Eagles just outplayed them, outphysicaled them. Um, David, what's your uh, what's your thoughts on this? I definitely was let down a little bit because I was expecting a little bit better from Tua and the Dolphins, but um, I can't say that I'm really surprised. Because that Phillies team is one of the better teams in all of the NFL. You got the 49ers, you got the Eagles, you got several other teams, but those two are the two primary ones. So you can't really say that you weren't surprised, or at least I'm not. And I think eventually Miami, much like the 49ers, kind of met a little bit of a match, I guess you could say, twice now uh, in Philadelphia and Buffalo for Miami. So who knows? All right. Don, what's your opinion on this one? I agree a lot with what David said. This is now the second time that we've seen Miami go up against a team that is going to be hunting for a playoff spot or pretty much guaranteed a playoff spot um, in Philadelphia. And they, they failed both tests. And I, I think that's a little bit of a concern, actually not a little bit of a concern. That's a major concern for me. Um, Cause this is a team that, you know, we've seen beat up on some teams that aren't that good, you know, looking at, you know, their, their wins, they've beaten the chargers who are two and four, the Patriots who have two wins, um, then they dropped 70 on the Broncos, who we all know have their issues. They beat the Giants, who are towards the bottom of the NFC, and they beat the winless Panthers. So like, they, they beat up on a lot of teams that really aren't that good, and the two teams that they've played that are really good, they've not looked that great in. Um, so I, their ability to win against playoff-caliber teams is a concern to me. Um However, I, I think the Eagles really solidified themselves as, you know, the team, the team that went to the Super Bowl last year. You know, the team that should still be the team to beat in the NFC until proven otherwise. Uh, I think we're starting to see that offense kind of take hold a little bit and figure some things out. Um, I don't know if they were taking it slow or there was some mis- miscommunication on some things earlier in the season, but. The offense is starting to play a little bit better. A.J. Brown is just on another level right now. And this defense is as advertised. So I, I think for good reason, they're the top team of the NFC at this moment. But I have major concerns about the Dolphins, which I'll get into later in the episode. Let, let me ask you this one thing, too, because I, I do agree as a team. I think the Eagles are very complete. Um, I think I, I don't want to say they're outright the leader of the NFC right now because I do 
I do still think the 49ers are in the conversation, but I want to ask you guys about Jalen Hurts. And if you truly think that he has the ability to be a top 10 quarterback in the league, when you look at his stats this year, he has eight interceptions on the season already. That's almost tied for his most in a season, which in his second year, he threw nine. So he's only one away from that after seven games. He only has nine touchdown passes. Now he does have six rushing touchdowns and only one fumble. So when you look at his touchdown to turnover ratio, um, it's still not great. Um, but the the six rushing touchdowns help. He is throwing 67.2% completion. So, but again, like, are we are we worried that when it comes down to it that he's going to turn the ball over too much when it matters down the stretch or do you think this is something that he can get right and really kind of solidify himself as a top 10 if not higher quarterback within this league and I'll kind of just leave it open for you guys to respond I think he absolutely can I mean this is a guy that was in the MVP race last year and played one of the better games in the Super Bowl that, that we've seen in, in a long time. He was absolutely amazing at the at the biggest stage. So I, I think he's already solidified himself as a top ten quarterback. And you know, he's proven that he can play at the highest level. It's just, you know, a slow start to the season that the guys get on every now and then. Um we've seen a couple guys get off the slow starts this year. You know, they're they're figuring it out. I know he threw an interception this last game, but he still threw two touchdowns. And then he didn't run for any, but, you know, I, I, I – no, actually he did run for a touchdown. So he threw for two, ran for one. You know, like I said, the offense started to figure things out. I'm not concerned. I, I think he'll, he'll get back to playing like the Jalen Hurts that we saw last year. And I'm not really concerned either myself. Um, mainly because one, he's a mobile quarterback and we know that as long as you can make your passes, which he's proven to do and all the team really needs you and requires you to do is just make passes when you can mobile quarterbacks can be successful. So I'm not really concerned at all. Okay. All right. I'm not super concerned, but I, I am a little concerned, just a little bit. I don't think we've seen him struggle this way yet. Um, I know the yards are there. I know the completion percentage is there. I know his running ability is still there. So I think we're just looking at his turnovers right now. And and when you look at the rest of the league, there are guys that we consider top 10 quarterbacks who are having turnover issues, whether that's Justin Herbert or um, Josh Allen, I think Patrick Mahomes is turning the ball over a little bit more than he normally does. So I'm not, that's why I'm not super concerned because it seems to be like a, a trend right now with quarterbacks where they're just turning the ball over more than they normally do. But it, he's not a guy that has ever really thrown for a lot of touchdown passes. So when you think about him already having eight interceptions on the season and only nine touchdowns, you kind of look at that and you're like, all right, you know, in a statistic standpoint, if we just doubled that, you 
does that change our opinion of, of what his season really looks like? And, and does that change them in the win column? You know what I mean? If they go against a team that that can perform when it matters, unlike the Dolphins do. So it'll be interesting. Maybe it's something we'll keep track of throughout the, the rest of the season and see where he's at. I mean, if, if he keeps continue having games where he throws, you know, three touchdowns in a game and one interception, then it doesn't really matter, I guess, because he's throwing more touchdowns than interceptions and who really cares. Um, but as long as he's not having a David Madden like, you know, season, then I, I think we'll be OK. So um, I feel like every week we bring up David's Madden skills and I want nothing more right now for you guys to play a game of Madden and you throw 10 interceptions and he drops like Dom, 20. Dom, it's not going to happen. All right. It's like it's just it's not going to happen. I. I David, I, I want to because you shit on this man so David, much. Dom, David, I love you so much, man, and we're best friends. But Dom, listen to me, and all the viewers. Yeah, I suck at Madden. There was a game where I was just coaching David through playing the game. I was like, "Hey, like, do this. Check your coverage." I was like, I even tried to send David videos because I want, like, I'm a crackhead, so I watched videos on how to be better at playing quarterback in Madden like under like looking at coverages that were given to me and trying to figure those things out so like I, I don't know it's it's fun to play just kind of play the game to have fun more than anything but Madden's one of those things where I just kind of also wanted to throw a controller across my living room into my kitchen hey so. when we did that when we did that zero overall league David beat me in one of the Super Bowls so you know there you go yeah. anyway we are done with our recap section here. Let's go ahead and move on to quarter two, college football. The only topic I had in there is the only topic that I felt like kind of mattered this week. And uh, that was uh, Shitigan, I'm sorry, Michigan, and their uh, sign-stealing scandal here. So if you, guys, <laughs> if you guys don't know about um, just what's going on, basically the Michigan <laughs> staff hired a gentleman – um, from the Navy, his job was, I believe, um, oh, like logistical scouting or something like that within the Navy. And basically they, they hired him onto their staff after he like, you know, bought a house in Ann Arbor and kind of paid his way onto the staff to be a part of it. And basically he's just been going to games, watching teams, taking pictures, writing down their signs, doing all this stuff. That's what he's being accused of. That's what Michigan's being accused accused of. Um, so, yeah, I, I don't know. What's your guys' thoughts on this one? I'll, I'll go ahead and start with Dom. Oh, they're done. Oh, they are done. Start, start, bring, start, start the funeral procession because they are, they are screwed. I mean, the, I don't know what's going to come about. I, I think the NCAA is going to drop their hammer on them. I don't know if Michigan's going to fire Harbaugh just to save face a little bit and maybe protect themselves from further uh, further discipline, but I, I think we're looking at possibly a multi-year bowl ban. Mm-hmm. Um, if Harbaugh's not fired and a definite suspension by him. Um, I know some people have thrown out vacating wins. To me, vacating wins does nothing. It doesn't change the fact that they still beat the teams that they beat this year and last year, so it's not like you're gonna all of a sudden. I, I will, it's not like it's not like you're all of a sudden gonna give Michigan the loss and change their record and give all the yeah the wins 
they meet. So it really does nothing. It's more of like a just another uh, something else to give them to make people feel like they're getting more discipline than they really are. Um, I, I think a multi-year ban uh, for the playoffs reduction of uh, scholarships. And, you know, maybe if the NCAA can limit their NIL money, you know, really hit them where it hurts because that's vacating wins does nothing, but reducing their NIL money, reducing scholarships and banning them from the playoffs for a couple of years, and it's going to be significant. And, and as egregious as it is, you know, I, I think every team in college football looks and tries to figure out other teams signs. You know, I, I think it, it comes with the territory. It's like uh baseball. You're always trying to figure out the other team's signs, but it's to the extent that you go about it, that, that makes it bad. You know, yeah. when you, when you're sending guys to, to teams and, being shady with with the ticket process and um and you know everything that the Michigan's accused of doing you know they took it not one step too far but they took it a couple steps too far and I think the NCAA is gonna gonna throw the book at them and and rightfully so and it's I'm not happy to see this because it's Michigan though I do deep down as an oh, we're, we're ecstatic and th- th- this is what i say about also, ab- about if, if the shoe was on the other foot i would still feel the same way if this was ohio state oh yeah because, for sure you know as much as a diehard ohio state fan as i am i still like things to be fair so any yeah. team that is is breaking the rules in, in a way that michigan has been accused of doing i i do want to you know reiterate that it's still accused at this point um you know, let's just I think say we're realistic fans yeah we're ecstatic that it's happening to michigan but yeah wouldn't want our our favorite team to do it either yeah so, watch watch tape like every other normal person i mean if you pick up on it by watching tape then then awesome you know what i mean i think or if you're standing on the sideline and your team is holding up big poster boards with logos on them and you can figure how real easy what those signs mean. Then yeah. you know. There you go. That's kind I, of- I go. I go back to what um, a couple weeks ago. I think it was reported like Baker Mayfield had gone to the sidelines and been like, "Oh, I I know what exactly what they're gonna do," and that's because he watched tape. That's because he watched so much tape and understood their offense amazingly that he was able to kind of figure out in the moment what they were gonna do, what they're you know what I mean? What their looks were and everything. But it's not like Baker Mayfield was like, in my off time, I'm going to go to my opponent's games. <laughs> you know what I mean? So yeah, I think. I mean, in I that is the instance, if the other team's signs are that easy to pick up on, that a quarterback mid game can memorize all of your signs and teach them to the rest of the team, that's kind of on you. Mm-hmm. But yeah, you know, th- this is different. It's a lot different. And, and listen, I, I think. I want to say this because I I don't think that like in the grand scheme of things like is this the most egregious thing that they could have done ever? No, but I think that when you look at what the rules say and you're not allowed to do it and I'm sure that there are probably a ton of teams that do do it. But the only reason that Michigan got caught is because they were already being looked into earlier in the season um, if you don't remember when 
basically the NCAA was like, hey, will you suspend yourself for three games? And Harbaugh said yes, but I think that they kind of dug up some other stuff. But I guess my question for you guys is like, at this point, like, does the NCAA really even have any power to enforce any penalty on this? Like, it doesn't really feel like they do. It just kind of feels like everybody goes along with it because they want to. But if they were like, you you lose 10 scholarships for the next three years, like, it does Michigan really have to, you know what I mean? Like, I feel like we're going in this situation where we're going to have a little bit of a, a revolt here against the NCAA at some point. And I'm wondering if whenever they come down, like Dom says, I do feel like they're going to try to come down with the hammer on this one. Is this what kind of kicks off that revolt where they're just like, what are you going to do if we don't do that? You know what I mean? Like, I don't, I don't think so because what Michigan's accused of so universally condemned by the rest of college football. Um, and there, there's still as much controversy there is, as there is with um, the NCAA. They're still the governing body of college athletics. So if it was a situation where there really wasn't much evidence of what they're accused of, and, you know, let's face it, there is quite a bit of evidence, you know, kind of not going in Michigan's favor in this instance, but if it was something that wasn't as controversial and they threw the book at them and there really wasn't a lot of evidence to really condemn them on, then yeah, I can understand other programs being upset and maybe a, a revolt like you're talking about. But since what Michigan's doing or is accused of doing is so universally condemned, I don't think that you're really going to see any sort of revolt from college uh, football. You'll you'll see Michigan fans be upset about it. You'll you'll see them release a statement, you know, saying that they're going along with you know, any sort of investigation that they accept any penalty, but, you know, obviously Michigan fans are going to be upset about it. I don't think the NCAA is worried about upsetting Michigan fans. All right. Um, Any last thoughts on this guys? No. All right. Well, let us know what you guys think at home. I mean, obviously I think um, Michigan went up, you know, above and beyond scouting in this one, but you know, maybe you guys have a different opinion. Maybe you think, hey, it's not that bad. Or maybe you think, hey, this is, you know, super bad. I, I don't know. Let's know what you think. I know that it's probably not going to be good, the result. I do agree with Dom. Probably multiple years of penalties, whether that's scholarships or bull bans or, um, you know, hardball being gone, which is you looked at the past couple of years and you're like, hey, He's been super successful, but was that because he was a good coach or was that because they knew what the other teams were going to do all the time? Well, I guess we'll never know, <laughs> but I don't know. Let us know what you guys think. Let's go ahead and go into our quarter three here, guys. We're going to do a little bit different. Um, instead of kind of having some tradition, oh my gosh, can't talk, some traditional topics here. Um, each of us have three hot takes that we want to give. So we're just going to go down the line here. David will go first, then Dom, then myself. We'll give one at a time. So David will give his first. Dom will give his first. I'll give my first. And then so on and so on until we've given three hot takes um, for current topics within the NFL. And we'll go ahead and kick it off with uh, David. And when they give a hot take or I give a hot take, you know, they're going to give a little bit of background on it. And then we might have a dialogue or we might agree. Who knows? But uh, David, go ahead and kick it off. 
All right. For my first one, um, I'm actually going to do kind of like college into football or NFL with the okay. draft and whatnot. Um, but I'm going to say with recent events and recent knowledge that Caleb Williams will actually drop out of the first round uh, after draft demands and partial of partial ownership. So basically between USC's performances and Williams's absolute disillusional drama demands, he wants to be not only drafted by the team, he, he wants to pick the team that, he, what, that drafts him. Then on top of that, he wants partial ownership in the team, though even though that can't happen. So I think with all that considering, teams will be very hesitant on drafting him, especially in the first round, unless he has an amazing rest of the college season um, I just think that teams may not want all the drama that he brings. Can I be honest with you, David? I don't hate that because he has to play two more games against two guys that are probably going to be in this draft class. And if he plays like dog water against them, I, I don't disagree. I, I don't disagree that he could easily fall into the second round. Um, one, because of the way he's performed and how he performs in big-time situations. And as a message, I think whether we like it or not, NFL ownership in front offices sometimes band together to send a message, whether it's for good or whether it's for bad. Um in this situation, it may be for good to kind of tamper the um, the unrealistic expectations of this new generation of college football players. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't hate it. I don't know if it'll happen. I, he'll probably still get picked in the first round, but I don't think it's completely unrealistic. I would die of laughter. <laughs> Tom would love and it so I, much. <laughs> I... I want it to happen, one, because once you declare for the draft, so one of his comments was, I can make more money in college than the NFL. Well, once he declares for the draft, he foregoes the rest of his his college football eligibility. So if he were to declare for the draft, then, you know what, I hope he falls early in the, fir- or in the, in the second round, because if he goes later in the first, he's going to a team that's good that he probably would have wanted to play for anyways. But if he's, if he's taken at the top of the second round, he's still being taken by a team that's not good. So now that not only is he going to be forced to play for a team that he didn't want to play for, that's not going to be good. He's not going to be making nearly as much money as he would have earlier in the, in the draft. If he would have kept his mouth shut and played better and would have been the number one overall pick. Um. He he can't go back to college football and say, oh, I can make more money here. I would love it, and I hope it happens. Yeah, interesting. All right. that Honestly, David, that was a good one. I didn't really know what to expect. From... New topic, hot takes, and oh, David brought the heat on that one. I... <laughs> and that, that was like the unanimous agreement on all three of us. Yeah. Well... That was that rule. Yeah, but what, what made me kind of taken aback by that is because before we started recording off camera, you're like, 
Yeah, I think I got some ones that are maybe not too crazy. So I'm like, oh, they're like mild takes. Yeah. And then David comes out with this. I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> that's mild. I can't wait to see what your other two are. I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, okay. That's a good start. That's a good start. Um, Dom, what is your first hot take? The Dolphins will lose at the first round of the playoffs. I, I think I think they're good enough to make the playoffs. Obviously, at five and two, the odds of them collapsing and, and missing the playoffs are kind of um, slim. But kind of like what I alluded to earlier in the episode, um, the Dolphins' inability to beat playoff contending teams is a major concern for me. Uh, they don't they don't show up in these games, and I, I think. There's still a lot to learn, and maybe the the playoff caliber teams are able to figure out Mike McDaniel's offense better than obviously lesser teams are able to. Um, you know, you look at the games that they lost. I mean, they're I don't know they're they're just getting beat pretty handily by by good teams, and they're beating up on bad teams, um, which makes me think that in the playoffs it's going to be more of the same. I know um, Tyreek Hill and, and Tua have, a, have a, a really good connection. Tyreek Hill is on a historic pace. It's one thing to do that against the Broncos where you put up 70 against the Giants and the Panthers, but that's now twice that they've gone up against good teams and they failed both times. And, you know, lucky for them, the rest of their schedule, they, they play the Chiefs, they'll lose that one. They play the Cowboys and Ravens and Bills. So, I mean, the last three games are going to be probably three losses for them. But I, I think they're, they're still going to make the playoffs. I don't think they're going to go anywhere past the wild card round. Okay. I Like David's, I I would like to agree with you. I I, I just don't know. I don't know what this team is. I kind of look at Tua, and, and this is what, probably his second year that we'll see him as a full starter in his career am am i wrong on that one i think because the first year he kind of split time with between him and fitzpatrick and then his second year was the year of tom brady then you know before the season started and then last year was concussion you know what i mean so like he didn't really get to play he didn't play most of the year and then this year looks like maybe the second year that he's really going to get to kind of start without any controversies so you got to think in his young career he really hasn't had a season where he's probably been the guy um with no controversies no split time no injuries and I don't know if it's Mike McDaniel that's really the problem here I think it's Tua I think Tua is still learning he's still growing he's still getting better I also think that Tua has a ceiling and I don't know. I don't think we'll ever be able to talk about Tua as being a top 10 quarterback in the league. I think he slides right into that same conversation as like a Kirk Cousins. When it's good, it's good. When it's not good, it's not good. You know what I mean? So I think I think that's probably where he he's at. And I don't think that's bad. I I think that you could win a Super Bowl with Tua. I think you could win a Super Bowl with Kirk Cousins. I just think you have to have the right coach and the right guys around him. And he can't be the main reason they win games. Um, but two is going to have to do better about protecting the ball and he's going to have to be more consistent. I think that's where we're at. 
with that. That's and if and and I would like to agree with you, Dom, but if that team goes off offensively, I don't think there's another team in the league the way that all the teams are constructed right now, other than the 49ers, where they could keep up with them offensively. Um, I get that, but they haven't been able to do it against good defense. No, no, I'm not I'm not saying that they that they can. I'm just saying if if they do, if you run into them on a day where they they do it, I don't think there's any other offense in the league that can compete with them. And again, that that completely comes off the fact of if Tua is able to develop. So I know David, what do you think? I think that I think I'd have to agree with Nick in the sense that Tua is kind of like Kirk Cousins. He can be amazing when he pops off, but can also struggle. Um, and I think that this Miami team is a couple of pieces away from being a really good team, like overall, because Tua makes his passes and completes majority of them. And not only that, but he can also run the ball as well himself uh, if need be. So while I agree to an extent with Dom in the sense that they'll be out possibly first round of the playoffs, I also agree with Nick in the sense that they're, they're a couple pieces away, especially I think more defensively than anything else. Mm-hmm. I think the offense is primarily there. They just need something more defensively needed. Yeah, I think they should be buyers at the trade market for somebody on defense. I know, I know they're gonna get their best defensive player back here soon, but I think that they could use another guy rushing the passer, um, maybe even another guy in the secondary. But I, I do think, or a linebacker probably too. So I think that that's a team that should look at maybe seeing if there's some veteran guys on teams that are looking to tank maybe for the rest of the season, if they could try to buy low on some of those guys and, you know, bolster that defense up a little bit. And I think that might give them a better chance, but I don't know. Marcus, I don't get rid of Chase Claypool. The, the, the curse that uh, the curse of Chase Claypool is real. I'm telling you, you guy, you, you kind of shit on me before when I mentioned it with they the bears all of a sudden being one game with him on the team though. It was the first game that they activated him. It was it this week was his first time being active on the roster. Did he even play? No, he didn't. But he was active on the sidelines, and they lost. The Bears got rid of him. They've now won what three of four, and and won with an undrafted uh, rookie this past week. Look yeah. at what the Steelers have done since they got rid of Claypool. There, there's a trend here, and I don't think you can dispute it. I don't know. Mike McDaniel didn't even want him. They weren't even trying to trade for a receiver. Listen, if the Dolphins lose the next three games in a row, then I will. Then I. Then I might agree with this stupid theory. If they lose the next three, you're gonna have to agree with Chase Kale. <laughs> if they lose the next three, that means they're losing to the Patriots, Chiefs, and Raiders. I see them losing. I see them losing to the Chiefs. I think they'll beat the Patriots and the Raiders just because. I don't know. The Patriots did look kind of good this past week. I don't know. Maybe, maybe Bill hurt. Maybe Bill hurt his comp. Uh, Mike McDaniel's comments about him, and he'll come with some extra juice this week. I, 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 I don't know. 
All right, here's my first uh, hot take here. I'm going to kind of go off of uh, what David did, kind of college football draft talk here a little bit. But if everybody's records, you know, kind of stay the same throughout the rest of the year and the draft order looks the way it does right now, right now it would be Bears at one, Cardinals at two, Bears at three, Broncos at four, Giants at five, Patriots at six, Green Bay at seven, Vikings at eight, Chargers at nine, and Titans at 10. That would be your top 10. I think realistically, the first quarterback off the board in this year's draft, if the draft looks like this, could go as late as six. And I think there's a potential that we wouldn't see the first quarterback taken off the board until number 10. Only because I think if Fields can come back healthy, and be as productive as he was in those two games. I think the Bears stick with him. There's a lot of reports out of Arizona that for some reason they still like Kyler Murray. Um, they're also tied to him with like just a crap ton of money. It's hard to move. Um, I think that's why they like him, because they have money yeah. invested in The Broncos, I don't think Russell Wilson's playing bad, but also they're tied to a bunch of money with him. The Giants, Daniel Jones is, I, I will say this forever, he is probably the worst money invested in a player ever um but again they're tied to a ton of money with him the patriots i don't know if they love mac jones and that's why i said that's maybe the first spot where i could see a quarterback taken is if no quarterbacks are taken at that point maybe they decide to pull the trigger take a quarterback move on from mac jones but he gives you this like up and down play that maybe for the rest of the season he plays really well and they go okay maybe we'll we'll give him another year um, Green Bay and the, you know, love experiment. I feel like they might want to give that another year, but maybe he completely craps the bed this year and they decide to go with a quarterback there. The Vikings and Kirk Cousins is an interesting one for me only because I do feel like they're a couple pieces away from competing for the playoffs again. And I don't know if they want to restart with a new quarterback. I think they should because I think restarting with a new quarterback and maybe rejuvenating that roster with some youth would be good for them, but I just don't know if they will. They kind of seem like the Steelers to me where they just want to try to continue to win. The Chargers have Justin Herbert. They're not moving on from him. It doesn't matter. And again, I think the Titans, if if it stayed this way, at number 10, the Titans look like the most realistic spot for the first quarterback to go. Ryan Tannehill is not really what he looks like anymore. Um, and I don't think Malik Willis or Mayo Man are really the guys to get it done. So I don't know, unless there's a trade-up, but if I'm the Titans and I look at it and I go, oh, everybody has a quarterback, I don't need to move up. You know what I mean? So I'm interested to see what you guys think about that one. I, I think I think the Titans will give uh, Mayo coffee and... Uh... Malik Willis a little bit more time than, you know, a game here and there the rest of the season. Because once Tannehill comes back, he's going to be the starter. And and as long as they're relatively in playoff contention, they're going to be going with um, with Tannehill. So I I don't think either of the, these guys would be getting enough playing time where you can really make a decision to to move on from them and draft another quarterback this year. That, that's the only reason why I'm kind of hesitant to say that the Titans will be the first team to take a quarterback off the board. So you, you um, think you think that no quarterback would go off the board in the top 10? Um, I think 
the depending on how Justin Fields plays the rest of this year, I I'm still on the fence with the Bears taking the quarterback. Um, I, I think that the Broncos and, and Sean Payton especially knows that Russell Wilson isn't the answer for them at quarterback. Um, they may, with the richest owners in football, may just bite the bullet and, and take the dead cap hit for the year. Um, and I, I could see them taking the quarterback. Okay. Just out of curiosity, I'm uh, David can go, but I, I'm looking up what um, yeah, I what the dead cap hit would be. I was going to say, if anyone would be desperate enough, it would be the Broncos more than anything. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think it'd be out of desperation. I think it'd be out of necessity. Okay. Um, and then, if anything, Chicago might, maybe not early in the round or early in the top ten but maybe with some of their later picks in the top 10. Um, well, they're at, they're at one and three. I, I guess my question with the Bears, though, is like... But those that, two, that, rides those... On, that rides on Justin Fields actually pulling off what he did in the first couple of games. And we don't know if that can happen. But even... But even let's, let's say that he lands somewhere in the middle, right? So he the first, what, three games were not great. And then he had two really good games. If he lands somewhere in the middle for the rest of the season, I guess my question to you guys is, I mean, right now they say the best prospect is still Caleb Williams. Do we not think that Justin Fields is the better quarterback out of all the guys coming in? If he, if, if, like I said, if he lands in the middle of those, you know, the really good and the really bad performances, do we not think that he's still better than those guys that are coming in? I mean, you have two guys you know, in Oregon and Washington starting quarterbacks who are already 25. They've been in college football forever. Um, Caleb Williams has his question marks, and clearly he wants to pick where he goes. Um, Drake May is from North Carolina, and I know he looks good, but I'm not convinced that these, like, small school quarterbacks that everybody's so enamored with their arm strength and shit, they never turn out to be. North Carolina is not a small school. Small, small football school. They're not really known for like North football. Dakota State's a small school. North, North Carolina is not a North Carolina is not known for football. Am I wrong? They're a basketball school. No, you're you're not wrong oh, there, right? Yes. Small football schools. Schools that aren't known for football. So like why why people are so enamored by these guys who come from these programs that are not known and they play literally nobody during the season. Why we're so enamored by these guys. And then when they get to the NFL, we're so surprised when they're not that great. Um, you know, you look at like Malik Willis, who if he was as good as everybody wanted him to be, he would already be starting. You look at somebody like Mitchell Trubisky or even like Zach Wilson, like Zach Wilson, they're winning games, but he's still not looking great. So I, I don't know. I just that's the only reason I said that was because I just feel like, yes, they could draft a quarterback. And maybe if Caleb Williams like turns it around and humbles himself, then maybe they do. Maybe they see him as the next Patrick Mahomes. I don't know. But I realistically think like if the same teams are in the top 10 at the end of the season, there's a good possibility that none of them really take a quarterback other than maybe the Patriots. I could see the Patriots being the one team that pulled the trigger, depending on how the rest of their season goes. Um, to uh, kind of wrap it up, I, I was curious of, of what the dead cap would be on on Russell Wilson. 
If they trade him with a post June one designation, his dead cap would be eight million dollars. Um, if they were to cut him, it would be seventeen. 17 million it's not bad no so they they may just they may just bite the bullet on that yeah and just take the dead cap if they think there's a guy that they could win with yeah for sure well i mean if sean payton's going to be there for multiple years he's going to want his guy and someone that he thinks he can win with and clearly it's not a fit and i think sean payton knows that so he he made just pull the trigger and, and get rid of them, which honestly would probably be smart. But also not one of my hot takes, but are we sure that Sean Payton just wasn't good because of Drew Brees? Like, he hasn't had any success after he left, and he has put together a worse season than what Nathaniel Hackett did at this point with the Broncos last year. I mean, how how long was, was Sean Payton the coach after Drew Brees retired? Because remember, he didn't coach last year. It was like three, four seasons. No. When did Drew Brees would? It's been, it's been like five or six years, hasn't it? No, he retired in twenty twenty one. Brees did. Yeah, I knew it was more recent than five years ago. Yeah, yeah it was twenty twenty one. Felt like so twenty twenty one. Then 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 Sean Payton didn't coach last year, so that was the twenty twenty two season. So he's. We never saw him without Drew Brees. Yeah, but also with this with this roster, like with with how bad this defense is, like how how much blame are we willing to put on Sean Payton when he already walked into a team that was a dumpster fire? Everyone just had hope because everyone thought that that Russ was was going to turn back into Seattle Russ, but clearly he's he's not playing bad though. That's that's not he he's playing. Sean Payton's been able to get him to play better than than he was last year, but I mean that what what was good about the team last year was the defense, and the defense is what really kept them in games. And the defense now is horrendous. But how much are we putting that on Sean Payton, or how much of that are we putting on the defensive coordinator? I don't know. Because it's 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 not like Sean Payton's the defensive coordinator and he's he's not really running the defense. I don't know. Let's move on. David, what's your uh, second hot take, man? I think that Puka will win the uh, offensive rookie of the year this year. Okay. I think that through I think he's been playing through the roof for a rookie. Through seven weeks, he has 58 receptions for 752 yards, two touchdowns, and has had 15 receptions at 20-plus yards. Yeah, he's looking like a a monster, I think. And if this continues up and he goes at a super, like, super rate, he could possibly be in the MVP talks, possibly, if he keeps this up. I don't know if he gets to MVP talks just because of what Tyreek Hill is doing this season and what he's projected to do, but I I can see the rookie of the year. I think the only thing that's going to hurt him is that Cooper Cup is back, and I feel like they're going to split that production that he did have at the beginning of the season. And then when you look at the way that like a CJ Stroud is playing, I think that 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 could hinder that. Now, if like Cooper Cup wasn't there and Puka Nakua was the main wide receiver – 
I 100% agree that that he could win it because of the numbers that he was putting up. But again, um, with Cooper Cup back, I just I don't know if that's really plausible. But I would love to see it. I love I love the idea of non quarterbacks winning awards. You know what I mean? I think we give a lot of credence to quarterbacks and we prop up their stats a lot without looking at what the other positions do um and and how hard it is for them to put up those stats we just look at the gaudy stats of quarterbacks and um and give them all the praise but yeah he's having a phenomenal season already dumb um yeah uh, until proven otherwise i think cj stroud has this award locked up just because of how unbelievable he's been playing and that's not really to take anything away from Puka because I think he he's been beyond impressive. And then the fact that he was a fifth round pick is is even more impressive. Um, I would like to see someone that's not a quarterback win awards. I, I agree with Nick on that, but unless CJ Stroud really falls back to earth and doesn't play that well, I, I think I think he's got this award locked up. If it was any year, if C.J. Stroud wasn't in this draft or was was playing average, like around where Bryce Young is, I think it'd be Puka's award to lose. But C.J. Stroud has just been playing so well. Yeah. But I will say this. I think the Rams have another guy at wide receiver that will be in the top 10 conversation for wide receiver talks for the next 10 years. You know what I mean? I think... Right now, you can't put him in the top 10 just because he's so new and you got to see it a little bit more. But if he's able to continue to play this way, I don't know. I, I don't see how you don't put him in that conversation. Um, and they have two guys who you can put in that conversation. And and I think it shows. I think it shows with how good they've been this year and, and the wins they've been able to get. And if, as a team, they're able to continue to improve, Matthew Stafford is a Hall of Fame quarterback, and he is a guy that elevates guys around him. So who knows what their season really looks like if they're able to continue to develop and elevate and win games. So, Dom, what is your second hot take? My second hot take is that the Vikings will make the playoffs. Okay. I was very impressed with their win last night. Um I think this team is still playing hard. They're in. They have the the benefit of being in the NFC. I think they're only one game out of the playoffs at this point. Um, they're still playing really well without um, Justin Jefferson, which I think is a very good sign. Uh, Cam Akers has been. He, he was really impressive last night, and I, I think he's going to take over the starting role that running back. But that's still a good combo of Madison and, and Akers. I think Justin Jefferson and Addison is, is a good combo of wide receiver. Then you got Hawkinson at, at tight end. I think this offense is still really good. I think we're starting to see some impressive signs from the defense. And, you know, right now they're they're pretty much even in their, their point differential. But looking at the rest of the NFC, you know, the Buccaneers have, have fallen back down to earth. Baker has reminded us that he's Baker. Um, the Falcons are – I, I think more pretenders than they are contenders at this point. I don't. I don't really see them as a team that really should be in the in playoff consideration. So I, I think there's definite opportunity for the Vikings to to move into right. a playoff. Who is the pretenders again? 
the Falcons. Okay, the Falcons. Yeah, the the Falcons and the Buccaneers. So I I think there's a clear path for the – I think there's a clear path for the Vikings to to move into a playoff spot. And out of, you know, the three quarterbacks of Kirk Cousins, Baker Mayfield, and Desmond Ritter, I'm I'm putting my money on Kirk Cousins. Yeah, I can agree agree with that to a degree. Um, Out of all the three quarterbacks, I would definitely put my money on Kirk Cousins more than the other two. However, my issue with that would be the coaching. We've seen the coaching staff struggle this past year, especially with time management. Um, who knows? Maybe this is a turning point, as you say. Um, but we'll see. Yeah, I don't. I mean, I think anything could happen. It's a good win, you know, by the Vikings. I think it's going to be a tough uphill battle. You know, they've lost a lot of games this season, but. They can do it. I will say the one thing, not even related to the Vikings, but like the weird slight against Baker Mayfield, it makes zero sense to me. I mean, he had one interception this past week. He still threw for 275 yards. Like, I I don't really understand. He's having a, he's having a great season. He's at 1,300 yards, eight touchdowns, four interceptions. Like, He's throwing 65%. You know, like, I don't really he's understand. Having a, he's having a good season. Don't get me wrong. But the, the past couple of weeks, the team has fallen back down to, to earth a little bit. Um, I don't I don't think he's been playing as well as he was earlier in the season. Had, and I he, don't know. He had he had a bad game against, against the Lions. But also, like, the Lions defense had been really solid throughout the year. You know what I mean? Obviously, they play against the Ravens and it doesn't really show up, but I think they'll learn and they'll grow and they'll get better from that. But I, again, like the weird slight against him, it doesn't make much sense when he's been playing like pretty well. Like, I, I don't know. And that was just, that was the one thing he, that I was like, he, oh, he's been Baker's been, been respectable, but also having watched Baker for the first four years of his career, I know how inconsistent he can be. He goes through streaks where everyone's like, oh, yeah, he was the number one overall pick. To there's a reason why he was cut in Carolina and he's making half the money that Jacoby Brissett's making this year. So like that, there, there's a reason why he's, in, he's in, not really a franchise. In Cleveland, his first two seasons, he played with two of the worst head coaches of all time with two of the worst coaching staffs. He didn't have any weapons other than Nick Chubb, who's not a, a receiving back. And then his and third... 2019, 2019, we still had Jarvis Landry and Odell, and, uh, Odell Beckham Jr. Jar- Jarvis, Jarvis Landry is good, but he's not a number one wide receiver. Jarvis Landry is a slot wide receiver. At best, that's Jarvis, what we were using him as. At best, Jarvis Landry is a number two wide receiver, if not a number three wide receiver, even when he was with the Browns. He's he not... Can't. He's not, but that's what I'm saying. That was their best wide receiver. It was a number three or number two wide receiver on any other team that has an actual number one. That doesn't make any sense. He had no what weapons. Do you mean? I never said he was a number one. He was but a that's number what I'm two saying. behind he OBJ. Had, he had no weapons. And then the one year that he had, like, they, they made the playoffs. They beat the Steelers. Awesome, cool. Goes into that year after that, and he's injured, and he plays through an injury. So, yes, like, the inconsistency's there, but it's not on him. He goes to Carolina doesn't know the system, tries to go in there and win games. That's not a recipe for success, especially with a team that, again, has no weapons and is garbage. And then he goes to the Rams, 
who actually have weapons, who are a good team, and he has some success. And now he's on a team that has a quality defense, quality weapons, and he's having success. Now, can he spiral downward? Sure. But through seven weeks, we haven't seen that. He's been a really solid quarterback, even in the weeks when last week when he played against the Lions. Sure, he had an interception. You got to clean up the turnovers. The Vikings thing, it is what it is. They they could, they can't. They have a lot of losses. They're going to have to work their way up. But looking at the rest of their schedule, they got the Packers. That's a winnable game. The Falcons, the Saints, the Broncos, the Bears, the Raiders, and then the Bengals. All Most of those games, maybe not the Bengals. But most of those games coming up are winnable. Then they play the the Packers again. Then they play the Lions twice. Those are going to be tough. But a lot of their games coming up for the Vikings are definitely winnable games. And you know, I, Kirk Cousins is is better than than Jordan Love. He's better than Desmond Ritter. He's better than Derek Carr. At this point, he's better than um, Russell Wilson. You know, the the Bears have been playing a lot better as of late. But I think that's still a winnable game for the Vikings. And then they got the Raiders, who are a dumpster fire. So. I think the the if the Raiders can not the Raiders if the Vikings can put together a string of wins here, I think they'll definitely be in playoff consideration. Yeah, I'm not disagreeing with that. I think that's a possibility, and their schedule is is pretty weak going forward. Um, I think they lose to Atlanta. Atlanta just kind of seems like they're playing pretty well right now. Um, I think the Bengals is probably a loss, but. Yeah, I mean, all those other ones are definitely wins. So they could find themselves in a wild card spot. Um, or if the Lions kind of implode, they can find themselves winning that division. Who knows? I was kind of iffy on this one. It kind of hurt a lot of people talking, having this conversation, you know, about the tight end position and who was, you know, the best tight end ever. Um, so I did some research on stats and. I think a lot of people look at um, Tony Gonzalez or Rob Gonkowski, maybe even Antonio Gates as being probably like those guys that set the standard for the tight end position. Um, But I, my hot take is that through 149 games, I think that Travis Kelsey is already the second best tight end ever. And I think he has a really good chance of being the best tight end in NFL history. Um, He has 862 receptions for almost 11,000 yards, 73 touchdowns. And when you talk about a guy like Tony Gonzalez, who I think has that number one spot right now, he played 270 games. He had 1,300 receptions. He had 15,000 receiving yards. And he had 111 touchdowns. But this is where, like, I think the stat that kind of pushes Travis Kelsey towards that for me is that he has seven 1,000-yard receiving seasons. And Tony Gonzalez only has four. Um, I don't see him not having a 1,000-yard receiving season this year, so I think that pushes him to eight. Again, I just, I don't know. I feel like when it's all said and done is his career is over. I think he will be the greatest tight end of all time. That's my hot take. I don't even think that's a hot take. I, I think uh, last week or a couple of weeks ago, I said he was the greatest tight end of all time. All right. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I can make the argument for it. Yeah. He's definitely making the argument for it. I mean, I didn't, uh, I didn't want to say right now just because I didn't want to respect or disrespect Tony Gonzalez, but – 
I, I don't, I don't know. even think it's disrespecting Tony Gonzalez. I mean, yeah, it, it, it's the only way that anyone's been able to enter the conversation as greatest tight end of all time is to put up absolutely ridiculous stats and really exceed a standard that Tony Gonzalez set. So yeah. it, it's yeah. not so much disrespecting Tony Gonzalez. It's just showing respect for what Travis Kelsey has been able to do. Mm-hmm. Because, yeah. because that body. considering that the, the standard was pretty much set by Tony Gonzalez and Rob Gronkowski, those two are arguably the best tight ends that we've ever had and being placed up with those two names even if he isn't the number one guy by the end of his career, just being with those names is an achievement in itself. Yeah. I mean, you got to think at the end of this season, he's going to have over 80 touchdown receptions. He's going to be close to probably 12,000 receiving yards. And he'll probably have his eighth 1,000 yard receiving season. So I, I think you could realistically you know, I, I agree with Dom. I think you could realistically say that he's already the greatest tight end of all time. Um, I know fundamentally, like, him and Gronk do different things. I think if you wanted a guy who was a bruiser, who could, you know, block really well, like, Gronk is your guy, you know what I mean? But I think when you talk about just the stats, he's he's got to be it. I don't know. All right. I feel like we've all kind of agreed a lot. David, for your third thing, do you have a hot take that maybe we'll we'll all disagree with? Uh, yeah, I thought that this might be the spiciest one that I had out of all of them. But I think that the Seattle Seahawks um, will shock the NFL world and not only go to the Super Bowl, but possibly win it. <laughs> Holy shit. <laughs> <laughs> oh, hold on. Just the... the, the... <laughs> the last 30 seconds have, for me, has been, hold on, one. What? <laughs> um, okay, so I agree that, they're, that they can contend for the playoffs. And I, I think the future is bright for this organization because they, the last couple drafts have been absolutely home runs for this team. Um, I just don't know if Geno Smith is the guy that can lead a team to the Super Bowl. But maybe if the but if the team is good enough if the team is good enough around him, and you know Nick, I remember a couple of weeks ago you were concerned about um, Jackson Smith and Jigba. Mm-hmm. He he's really come alive the last couple of weeks, and I, I think if he's able to continue this, that adds another dynamic to this offense. That yeah, I mean, currently they're they're fourth in the NFC, so it's it's not out of the realm of possibility. And on top of that, they're four and two. Yeah only behind the 49ers in the NFC West who we've seen the 49ers they've been I don't want to say struggling but yeah they've come back to earth to some degree um and offensively the in total offensive yards they've had just about 2000 yards give or take uh 636 being rushing and then uh, but a little over 1,400 in passing terms. And on top of that, Geno Smith has gone 129 for 188. You don't – I think that the, the point that I want to make is 
you don't need, and I've said this several times, you don't need the most flashy quarterback out there. You don't need a fantastic one. You just need one that makes plays. That's all you need. Yeah. You know what? The more that you talk about it, I I don't think it's absolutely crazy because this year, I think we're starting to see a trend reverse in the NFL where you don't need that elite level quarterback to win a Super Bowl. I think defenses have really taken a hold this year. And I, I think it's going back to the old school method of defense wins championships. If you can run the ball, and play defense and and have a quarterback that, you know, doesn't necessarily need to light the world on fire, but keeps the ball moving down the field and doesn't make mistakes. And on top of that, I I could see seven touchdowns and only four interceptions through seven, through seven games. Yes. That's not a whole lot of touchdowns, but that's also not a lot of interceptions either. No, the Pete Carroll's not asking Geno Smith to throw three touchdowns a game. Mm-hmm. He, he's asking him to keep control of the ball, move the ball down the field. If he throws a touchdown, great, but it's really just let's run the ball in the end zone with Kenneth Walker or whoever. Maybe Zach Charbonnet gets gets a chance to, to score a touchdown. But yeah, I could see it. I I don't know. It's a lot. That's a lot to ask Geno Smith to do. Like I under I understand this idea of of defenses, you know, defenses win championships, but you still have to have a quarterback that can that can get it done when he needs to get it done. Like, but who's to say Geno Smith can? I, yeah, I mean, exactly. I mean, based on the last two years, he's been a decent quarterback, and outside of his injury last season. But he's, but decent decent doesn't guy. decent doesn't win championships, guys. I mean, if decent won championships, then Kirk Cousins would have a championship, right? Like Philip Rivers would have a championship. You know what I mean? Like I, Carson Palmer would have a championship. Like I just like I I get it. I completely understand. I their defense. But they is, didn't have the supporting cast that Geno Smith has right now. Yeah, exactly. You need that supporting cast. I'm not even going to talk about Philip Rivers and the Chargers because they're they they're just cursed. But I mean, Carson Palmer had TJ Hushman's up the 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 OG seven eleven. I mean, Chad Ochocinco, <laughs> like he he had probably arguably top five wide receiver of all time. Some people might even have him as number one. So you're you're looking at like Megan and they didn't go to the Super Bowl. It's because he didn't have the supporting staff of an actual decent defense. And and that's a- just because that's it's Detroit, David. Detroit sucks at everything. All right. And um, the point I'm making is an excellent quarterback is great if you don't have the rest of the supporting cast. You I know, need. I, I, I'm need- not, I, I think I'm, Geno Smith is a good enough quarterback where as long as he doesn't make mistakes. I think the team around him, especially that wide receiving core and Kenneth Walker, the offense is good enough to get the job done, but the defense is so good where they're going to be in every game. Guys, but we're we're talking about their defense like they're 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 not even a top 5 defense. Like we're they they have they have to go play against the 49ers who have a top 5 defense, who have a top 5 offense. I know Brock Purdy struggled, but the past couple of weeks, but I don't see that continuing for the rest of the season. Like they're still going to have to go against the Eagles who have a top five defense and, 
and they're off and Jalen Hurts has struggled. But again, like, is that going to continue? We'll see, but oh, they I still have the weapons. You know what I mean? So like, I, I just like, I, I, any team can get hot. It's any given Sunday. I get that. But there's, there's just two or three teams in front of them right now, which you look at and you're like, can you really get over that hump when you look at guy versus guy in the playoffs? And is that really going to be what it looks like? And then even if they make it to the playoffs and you got to play the Kansas city chiefs, the Kansas city chiefs have a top five defense and Patrick Mahomes is by far worlds above what Geno Smith is as a quarterback. So if you just go off of that, Patrick Mahomes is going to make the plays. I, I'm not saying it's impossible, but it that's that's. And I'm not saying that they're my pick. I'm just saying it's not out of the realm of possibility. I I'm I'm going to say that that doesn't happen. I I would put money that that doesn't happen. Like, I I just I don't know. I, that's that's a tough one. That's one. If I predict that, I should I should have been a betting man then. David, I, I don't know, dude, put a dollar on it. it. There's there's nothing you could lose. I mean, put a dollar. I mean, you're going to win something. So, I don't know. <laughs> All right, Dom. What's your last one, man? I think the Browns trade for a big-name wide receiver. Um, Looking at, you know, D-Hop, Terry McLaurin, Hollywood Brown, you know, maybe even Jerry Judy. But I, I think they make a, a big splash of wide receiver because – they need a number two outside of Amari Cooper. Um, I think the quarterback position is what it is. I don't think they're going to trade for Jacoby Brissett. Um, they're, if Kirk Cousins and the Vikings lost last night, I I could see them maybe trying to trade for, for Kirk Cousins, but I think they're either going to stay with um, – obviously they're stuck with Deshaun Watson, but if Deshaun Watson is, is injured for an extended period of time, you know maybe you'll see DTR come back with – you know, more preparation, he'll probably be better. PJ Walker has been able to, you know, keep the ship going. Um, I, I think the need for them is at wide receiver, and I think they'll make a big splash. I mean, I can't disagree with you because it's it's a Browns move. Like, I don't think they need a wide receiver. I just think they need their $260 million quarterback to play like he's a $260 million quarterback because – if he it plays as well as he should play, he can elevate the guys around him. You know what I mean? Like they don't need more talent for him to throw the ball to. They just need him first of all to want to play, and second of all, play at a high level. And they haven't been able to get either from him. And I think that's their main problem. They need to figure out why the man they gave that much money to and they is not playing the way that he should. I, I don't think a I don't think a wide receiver is gonna fix the situation. I no, I'm not saying that's gonna fix the situation. Obviously, Deshaun Watson playing like he's paid to is gonna be the biggest thing to fix this team. That's goes without saying. But the situation is what it is. And if Deshaun Watson is out, I don't think a fix is gonna be coming from outside the organization. But looking at the wide receiver room, you have Mark Cooper, you have Elijah Moore, who's been underwhelming. He had a good week last week, but he he hasn't had a great season. Outside of that, you have Donovan Peoples-Jones, who has, what, five catches on the season? Um, I think Marquise Goodwin has, like, two catches on the season. Cedric Tillman has not even really seen the field. 
So I, I think getting a guy now, probably Hollywood Brown will probably be the most realistic to be your number two, number three, probably number two, move Elijah more into the slot. I, I think that can go a long way with helping a guy like PJ Walker or DTR if they're playing extended periods of time. And obviously it would help Deshaun Watson out a lot. Yeah. I mean, I, I guess I can't disagree with you because it's a, it's just a Browns kind of move. Just, I don't know, try to fix a problem that's not really a problem. So, I don't know. David? Um, Yeah, I I don't know because that's a – we're putting too much reliance on a third-string quarterback and P.J. Walker. Yes, he's gotten the job done, but if Deshaun Watson's not doing what he's being paid to do, then – I don't know what else can be added to this team um, that would actually improve it. If this was the exact same team and the wide receiving core was still doing the same with Deshaun Watson and he was actually performing, then yeah, I'd agree with going to get a wide receiver, but who knows? Yeah. I mean, obviously, obviously Deshaun Watson playing better is the Browns biggest need, but depth wise, I, I still I still see a lot of problems with this wide receiving room. I I don't know. I, I think they're a little too reliant on Amari Cooper for big plays. And if he's double covered, triple covered, I don't trust Donovan Peoples Jones. Elijah Moore has been hit or miss if best. Um, you know, do you rely then on David and Joku? Like there's no one else in the wide receiving room that you could really turn to. So then you you have to go to David Njoku, who's a, a good tight end, but I don't, he shouldn't be your number two option. So I I would make the move to get an, a more reliable number two option for any quarterback that is playing for the Browns. And if Deshaun Watson goes on the IR and he misses four weeks, he's back for the, the last stretch of games, and he comes back to a, a wide receiver room that's you know got a little bit more depth to it. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> we'll see. Yeah, I mean, it can't hurt. All right, guys. Well, thank you so much. Um, I think this was a, a very interesting, you know, set of set of topics that we had going on. Maybe we'll try this again week thirteen or fourteen or something like that. Um, kind of see where we're at with some different hot takes at that point. Um, I think next week our current topics we'll go back over our end of season predictions so we'll go we'll go back over what our predictions were for the super bowl for mvp and so on and so on that we had given um before week one there because we're about halfway through this season after next week so we'll kind of go back over what our predictions were to start the season and where we're at now i know mine is vastly different because <laughs> of the aaron Rodgers injury but um, we will definitely kind of go back over that in our current topic section next week. So let's go ahead and move into our quarter four here. We'll quickly go over our projections for the games of the week next week. That is going to be three games that I have down, one college, two NFL. First up, guys, top 25 matchup in college, Oregon versus Utah. This is another, you know, Pac-12 matchup where you look at – and you're like, okay, 
this is a conference that has a lot of good quality teams in it. Um, Utah still without, I think, their starting quarterback. And Oregon, you know, they had that that tough loss to Washington, but I think they're hoping that they can, you know, not have two losses going for the rest of this season. So what's your guys' opinion on this game, Dom? I'm going to go with the upset. I think Utah's riding high after beating USC, and I think they, they'll continue that momentum. I, I think we'll see a big upset this week. Okay. I like it. It would be fun to see, but I'm going to go with Oregon. I think Oregon will win a close one. Um, I just think that that they're they're a little bit better. Um, I think their quarterback is a little bit better, but Utah has a pretty good defense, and maybe they maybe they do shock them. It'd be interesting to see. David? You know what? I'm going to go with the underdog as well. I'm going to say Utah on this one. All right, all right. This should be a pretty good game regardless, so we'll definitely be on the lookout for that one. NFL time. I really only saw two games that kind of seemed worth watching. The second one was only because of the rookie quarterback battle. But first up, Bengals versus 49ers. David, what's your thoughts on this game? You know what? Based on the last couple of weeks, I'm going to go Cincinnati over 49ers. Okay. All right. This is a potential Super Bowl matchup. You know, I think the Bengals have a pretty deep hole they got to work themselves out of but I think it's doable the only thing I'd be worried about is just the amount of pressure that the 49ers are going to be able to put on Joe Burrow because his offensive line is just not great and that could really cause trouble but we'll have to see Joe Burrow seems pretty healthy now Um, they're coming off a bye week so we'll see I don't know I I I'm gonna I'm gonna go with the 49ers in this one. I think the 49ers win a close game. Dom. I'm on the fence on this just because I, I do think that the 49ers will kind of figure things out. Um I, I have faith in Kyle Shanahan that you know he will be able to figure things out. And I know that defense is is good enough to really stop anybody. Um but Joe Burrow's healthy again. He was starting to play better the last couple of weeks going into the bye week, and now he's had a whole week to sit and heal that calf even more. Um, yeah, I mean, history has shown, at least recent history, this Bengals team, they, they started off slow last year, figured it out, made it to the, the conference championship game. You know, the, even the year before that, they started off slow, went to the Super Bowl. You know, the, this is a team that again started off slow and they're figuring things out. Um, I don't know. I could see this going both ways. I'm going to say San Francisco just because they're the home team. If this was in Cincinnati, I'd say that Cincinnati would get it done. But I think it's going to be a pretty high-scoring game. I know Cincinnati's offensive line is horrible, but as long as Joe Burrow has just enough time to throw it up to uh, Jamar Chase, you know they'll they'll be able to keep them in, in any game. I think um, Joe Mixon is a good enough running back, and the there's enough opportunity to run on this 49ers team where Mixon can still have a decent game and and keep the offense moving. But I could I could see it being a, being a really high scoring game that comes down to the wire. All right, and then last up, Texans versus Panthers. You have the rookie bout here. I personally think C.J. Stroud shows the Panthers why they should have picked him first overall. And uh, I think the Texans win this game 
pretty handily. I don't I don't think it's like by a bunch, but I think a couple scores is is what the result of this game is going to be. Dom, what do you think? Oh, it's going to be a murder. One, C.J. Stroud is clearly the better quarterback. And I, I said even before the draft that he's the guy that, that should be taken number one over Bryce Young. Um, mm-hmm. I made my hesitations about Bryce Young pretty clear. But, yeah, the, the Panthers team is bad. You know, I, Bryce Young has been average at best. And I think that the offense is in a pretty sad state when Adam Thielen at 34 years old is by far your number one receiver. Um, they have no running game to speak of. Their defense is not good. Yeah, I I, I think the Texans are in a much better spot. C.J. Stroud is a much better quarterback, and I, I don't think this is going to be close. And it, I, I think that the Panthers really regret trading up to number one. It, it, even if they took C.J. Stroud, they still gave up a lot to to be, you know, picking a number one. And even if they did take C.J. Stroud, I don't think he'd be playing as well as he is with the Texans because, you know, he'd still be throwing to Adam Thielen and have Chuba Hubbard at running back. So it, the the team around them, they'd still be picking near the top of the draft, which means the Bears, who have their pick, would be picking have a, a second pick towards the top of the draft. So I, they kind of set themselves back. I don't know how they'll get out of it, but I think this game is going to be pretty, pretty bad. CJ Stroud's got a chip on his shoulder with this one. All right, David, what's your thoughts on this? I still think I'm going to say that the Texans win this one as well. So, okay. All right. We're pretty unanimous on the Texans there. And yeah, I, I would be shocked if it's not uh if it's not at least two scores for the win for the Texans on this one and, and CJ Stroud um doesn't have a good game. So all right. That pretty much does it, guys. Like I said, next week we will get into um looking back at our predictions for end of the season awards and Super Bowl that we did at the beginning of the season, because we'll be about halfway through. And then um Again, like I said, look for week 13, 14 for us to do this hot take again. And then maybe around the same time in the future, we'll do a we'll do a fun mock draft episode or something like that for the for the draft and stuff like that. After Caleb Williams loses another couple games and, and Dom can be happy and and have him being taken in the third round or something. So fifth round quarterback, fifth round quarterback garbage. <laughs> uh, so, yeah. But other than that, guys, again, thank you so much for listening to another episode of Two Minute Drill presented by Deep Dive Sports. We will catch you in the next one. Thank you, everyone, for listening to another episode of Two Minute Drill. And make sure to follow the show on Instagram at Two Minute Drill Podcast, D-D-S. Don't forget to follow deep.dive.sports on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And you can listen to all of our shows wherever you get your podcasts. Also, comment on all our posts and episodes we would love to hear what you think about the show and what we talk about each week and as always two minute drill listeners until next time